The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, church. I'm so glad that I am here. Are you glad that you're here? I am glad that you are here as well. Um, I feel like I need to explain uh, why so many of us are wearing uh, Dream Team jerseys. Uh, I looked around during worship. I was really excited to see all of them. And then I imagined myself being a guest, and I thought I would probably walk in and think, I just walked into a cult. And so I just want you to know uh, that we are not a cult, uh, and we don't have uniforms either. Um, But uh, back in uh, December, uh, we had a dream team party. Dream team is our code language for uh, all of the people that uh, serve around all the different things at Harvest Worship Team and Kids Team and Security and Media and all the teams. There's, so, there's too many teams. And, um, and so at our party, we gave everyone a jersey. And, uh, and so today, we started something new. Uh, so, so starting today, all of the dream team that are serving on a Sunday, uh, we meet in here at 925. We spend about seven minutes together. We talk about what's happening. In, and then we pray together, and it was kind of our team huddle. It kind of goes with the, with the theme. And so just today, today is the only day we're like, hey, if you want to wear your jersey, today would be a good day. Uh, and so I just wanted to put you at ease that you are not uh, at a cult today. Okay, here's the other deal. I had someone during meet and greet that stopped me and said, hey, how do I get a jersey? And to be fair, they already knew what it meant, that it meant like joining a team. And so I want you to know uh, that the best way to find out kind of who we are, what we do is something we call open house. And you can sign up on the church center app or through the website. And our next open house is April the 12th. Um, And I would love for you, if you're new to Harvest, you want to check things out, this is the best way to do it. We provide dinner and childcare. We tour the entire building. You meet all of the staff. You hear about all the things going on. And then there's a a no pressure at the end uh, option for you to just let us know if you're interested in being part of our Harvest. Harvest family. We actually like that word better than team, harvest family. And uh, But here's what I knew. I know that for some of you, um, if you're ambitious like me, April 12th is too long to wait. So come talk to myself or my wife or any of our dream team leaders, any of our staff, and uh, you don't have to wait. Okay, We'll, we'll help uh, kind of get you going in that way if you want to before the 12th, but I'd love for you to come to open house. So I hope that all made sense. Now, I, I have to, before I get going, I have to give a shout out to our six-minute sermon team from last Sunday. Did you enjoy that? So awesome. Oh my goodness. Every one of them. There was not a weak link. They, just, they all did amazing, and I just love how the Holy Spirit um, uses that every year. It's such a fun uh, tradition for us, and so I just wanted to give a shout out. And then something really cool happened last Sunday. So after six-minute sermons, uh, one of our guys here, Richard, uh, felt he got home, and he felt like he wanted to kind of do his own six-minute sermon. And so he just sat down uh, in his uh, kitchen table, I think, or somewhere in his house, and he just propped his phone up, and he just did a little six-minute story, right, his testimony, and he sent it to us. Uh, Well, to be fair, he sent it to Pastor Jace, and then Pastor Jace sent it to me, and uh, we woke up one morning in Greece, and I I watched it, and I cried, and then I I got Lisa, and I'm like, Lisa, watch this, and we both cried, and it was just an amazing testimony uh, from Richard about what God has done in his heart and his family this last year as he 
put Jesus over everything. And so I asked his permission if I could share it with you. Would you like to see it this morning? And so here is Richard's six-minute sermon about Jesus over everything. Check it out. In May of 1998, my ex-wife went into premature labor because of a gallbladder attack. And baby was fine. Kept overnight at the hospital for observation. And I went home and I proceeded to cry and pray to God so hard for two straight hours before I was just so exhausted I had to go to bed. I had never prayed like that in my entire life. I never prayed. And on June 22nd, 1998, my daughter was born. Little complications. She was born six weeks early. She was a preemie. She was in the NICU unit for 13 days. She had to learn to uh, suck and swallow, take a bottle, and gain a little weight. Brought her home after that. Today, you would never know she was a preemie. After she came home from the hospital, you would think I would be so grateful that I'd be thanking God. I didn't. I did nothing. Because I was just so stupid and ignorant. My thinking of praying was, oh, God, please, you know, please let the bears win. That was my stupid praying. Because I was ignorant. I wasn't taught right. I have no excuse. It's my, that's my own, it's my own fault. Fast forward to November of 2016. My daughter and I have this huge fallout. And altogether, we didn't speak for almost six and a half years. No communication whatsoever. Now, I truly believe God puts people in your life for a reason. Because he put my wife, Renee, in my life for a reason. Because from there, from Chicago, we moved to New Mexico after I retired. God moved us here. He wanted us to be here. Because here in New Mexico, he introduced me to Ross, my best friend. Ross introduced me to Jace, pastor at church. And between the two of them, I entered the front doors of Harvest on January 3rd, 2022, for the first time. First time I ever walked into church on my own to attend the service. <coughs> Excuse me. A few months into it, pastor services, he always includes his family. He talks about his daughters and his wife and his parents, and I love it. He makes it personal. And that's what I love about church. He makes it personal. He makes Jesus seem like he's sitting right next to you. And for some reason that day when he was talking about his one daughter, and I wasn't mad that he was having a great time with his daughter. It's just what I had between my, it was just eating me alive. I came home and I was telling my wife, it was, just, it was killing me inside. And she goes, you need to talk to pastor. And I did. And he gave me the best advice. Sent a message. I miss you. I love you. I'm willing to talk. No pressure. I sent that message on a monthly basis. Every holiday, her birthday, whatever. From April to June of 2023. June 22nd, 2023, to her 25th birthday. I sent her a text. Happy 25th birthday. I love you. I miss you. I hope you have a wonderful birthday. Fifteen minutes later, my phone pings, and it's her name on the phone. I couldn't even read the text. I was crying so hard. Handed it to my wife. She had to read it to me. Called my mom. My mom goes, should I text her for her birthday? I said, you got nothing to lose. She sent her a text. 
She answered her back, thank you. God does so many great things when you put them first. And that's exactly what he did. Because I put him first. And I was putting it in his hands. I didn't know if she changed her number. I don't know if she blocked me. Here you go, God, it's yours. I don't know what to do after this. And he answered my prayers. And I thanked him. I wasn't going to make that mistake twice. I thanked him so much. I was so grateful. Now, 2023 was probably the scariest year, but the most blessed year. Right before Easter, my best friend Russ found out he had stage four colon cancer. Doctors gave him a 10% chance of living. I was crushed. Prayed, prayed, prayed. All through treatments. All the way up to the week before Christmas. He had two surgeries. Multiple chemotherapy rounds. Cancer free. Week before Christmas. My wife. Back problems for so many years. November 6th. Had an operation. I guess like she's walking great. That Christmas Eve was the best Christmas Eve I ever had in 2023. I got my kid back. My wife was on my arm walking into church Christmas Eve morning on Sunday, pain-free. Sat down, my best friend sitting right next to her, cancer-free. Because I put God first. I put Jesus above everything else. I prayed first before I thought about myself or anything else. The miracles God does is on it. I'm living proof of how God does wonderful things when you put him first and you put him above everything else. In two years, the miracles he's done for the people around me, the most important people in my life, he's done wonderful things. That's my testimony. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Incredible, huh? I love hearing um, what God does in our lives when we put him first. I, it gave me an, an idea. I don't know if this will go anywhere or not, but uh, I want to give you an opportunity that uh, this year our theme is Jesus over everything. And you might be inspired today or any other day uh, this year to video your Jesus over everything story. So what we've done is we've set up an email address. It's simply this, mystory at harvestabq.org. And at any time this year, you don't have to like come in and, and get Tyler to produce a video for you. You can just like pay attention to the details at your house and check the lighting in the background. Turn your phone sideways for me. That's the only thing because it looks better on the screen that way. And like video, keep it like four or five minutes. Tell us your story. Email it in. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we'll get one more or a hundred more. Um, but I just, man, it was so fun uh, to hear Richard's story. And I know that's not the only one. And so if you want to do that, you can do that anytime 
this year. So, I already said it, but our current theme for the year is Jesus over everything. Did you notice the banners that were out on Montano on your way in today? Um, I just, I don't know that. We, we don't usually do that, but uh, I talked to Tyler and I'm like, hey, I, I kind of want to put something out there. I want to like make an announcement. I mean, like you coming in, like you kind of already know that's what we're doing, but I don't know if anyone cares driving by, you know, on Montano. I, I, don't, I don't care if they care, honestly. I am making an announcement over the west side of Albuquerque that Jesus is over everything. Do you believe that with me? So there you go. All right. How many of you have ever ran a foot race? Anyone? Have you ever ran a foot race of any distance? Uh, uh, let me see. 5K runners. Anyone? You've ran a 5K? We're going to start thinning the herd now. A 10K? Any 10K runners? All right. Um, half marathon. Let's see. So half marathon. Okay. We're, we're, and then full marathon. Full marathon. We got, a, we got a couple full marathons. Something past a full marathon. Anyone? Golly. There's some crazy people in this place. Um, I, uh, I've ran a lot of different races, and uh, I was thinking about this. One of the coolest things about like an organized race is, is just this, is that everyone gets cheered. Everyone, okay? So when you're in an organized race, like strangers are like lining the road, and they don't have to know you. They, they just they cheer for you. And some of the bigger races, especially marathons and those sorts of things, people make signs. They, they try to like be funny so that because you're hurting and you're just wondering why you're doing this. They're trying to make you laugh. They dress up in costume. They bring out instruments. It's, it's such a fun environment. In one of my longer races that I've done, I was coming to the end. I was out of energy. I was questioning everything about my life. And, and I was coming in kind of to the finish line and complete strangers were, Jay, they, didn't, they didn't know my name. They were like, you can, you can do it. In my head, they said, Jason, you can do it. You're going to make it. Don't stop. And I'll never forget it because I started crying. I don't know why. I, just, I think I was depleted, and, and I just started crying. I'm like, I can't. I'm going to make it. And I just kept going. I just kept going, all right? And I was thinking about this, that, that in, a, in a race like that, it's just so fun. It's an amazing feeling that everyone gets cheered. And it reminded me of something that one of our mentors, Pastor Hennessy, uh, he teaches this idea, and I, I just couldn't agree more with it, that the greatest need in the human race is to be fully known and fully loved, okay? Not, not one or the other, but both. The greatest need in the human race is to be fully known and fully loved. And I'll just tell you, that day in my race, as I was crying and running, I felt fully known and fully loved. I know I wasn't fully known, but I felt that way in that moment. And, and I don't know if you, you think about it with me for just a second. Those two ideas, they tend to work against one another. I mean, we learn pretty young that when we let our guard down and we let other people see the true self, the, who we really are, the, 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 the parts of us that aren't quite as pretty, quite, quite as shiny, quite as nice, that sometimes people use those things against us. Am I right? Have you ever had that happen to you? And so from a very, very young age, we began to kind of put up some guards and, and we, you know, we, we don't quite let people see all of us because what we're doing is we're trading. We say we'd rather be fully loved than fully known because I think if you fully know me, you won't fully love me. Are you, am I following you? Are, are you following me? <laughs> I'm following you, whatever. See, just love me. That's all I want. <laughs> and so we hide 
the unlovely parts of us, right? Does anyone have some unlovely parts? Anyone? Some, unlo- some parts you're like, I'd rather people not know those parts of my life, right? We hide those parts. But what if, what if we didn't feel pressured to hide things in order to be loved? Like, what if there was someone that could do both? What if there was someone that could both know us completely, all the parts, the good parts, the bad parts, everything in between, and completely love us? And that's, that's what today is really all about. Now, our theme is Jesus over everything. So where this came from is I thought we probably should take a little bit of time to just really examine Jesus. Like who Jesus is, this guy that we're saying is over everything, Jesus over everything. I know Christmas is over, now we're in January, but in Matthew, this is kind of a Christmas verse, Matthew 1, 21, the angel says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. What an announcement, even not on Christmas, Right? And if you read in the Gospels and you follow the life of Jesus, you can kind of see how this announcement begins to to take place as Jesus lives out his life. And there's a story in the book of Acts where Peter and John, they've just come out of the upper room and there's a a lame man that's lying uh, there by the temple gate and he asks for help. And I want you to pay attention to how Peter responds. This is in Acts 3, verse 6. He he says this, he says, I have no silver or gold because the lame man, he's begging. He's asking them for help. And Peter says, I don't have any money, no no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And just just pay attention to this because of the announcement. The angel said, you're gonna call him Jesus. They gave him a name. He'll save people from their sins. So Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but here's what I have. In the name of Jesus. Would you just say Jesus with me? Say Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And guess what? He did. He did. The lame man got up and he walked. And, and here's kind of the twist in the story is that in response to this, the, 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 the crowd, they didn't like this. And so Peter and John ended up being arrested for healing the guy that asked for help. And so the, the, then they ask this. They ask this of Peter and John. They say in, in Acts 4, 7, by what power or in whose name did you do this? Which, by the way, when supernatural things happen, people want to know how they happened, right? Like, how did you do that? Who did that? Who had the power? Who had the authority? That's what they're saying. Like, in whose name, right? Who gave you the authority to do what you just did? And so Peter gives an answer. He's still in Acts 4, verse 8 now. Peter, and I have to pause here because Peter, it says, filled with the Spirit, gave, gave an answer. And I have to pause because I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life that, that I've known in, in the world that we're living, in the culture of the day. I don't know if there's ever been a time where, where the world needs more people filled with the Holy Spirit than today. <laughs> and it just caught my attention that Peter, he didn't respond out of his own knowledge. He didn't just you know, give a good answer, but he stood up and he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gave this answer. He said, rulers and people and uh, uh, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, I love the passive aggressiveness here, right? He's like, you really were in trouble for healing a crippled man. But, but, and you're asking by what means this man has been healed. Let it be known to you all and to the people of Israel, watch this, that it's by the name of Jesus Christ Christ 
of Nazareth, whom you and then he preaches the gospel. Watch this fast. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this, by this man is standing before you. I mean, he just, he just gives the gospel full of the Holy Spirit. And there's something about this name Jesus. Am I right? There's something. There's something. I mean, you see it in this story. We see it today. There's something about this name Jesus. And so the, the rulers, the, the authorities of the day, here's what they did is they eventually said, okay, Peter and John, we're going to let you go, but here's what has to happen, okay? You can keep preaching and teaching, but you're not allowed to preach or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. It's in verse 17. In order that it may spread no further among the people, let's warn them to speak no more in this name. And so they called them, they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And I just, I like this story. I don't know if, it, if, it, if you like it. I don't know. It's, there's something about Peter and his boldness. I just, I, I like this story a lot. But I think it's one that we have to be a little bit careful with because, because if you're not, if you don't handle it well, you might begin to believe that the name of Jesus is like a magic name, right? That the name of Jesus is like a, is like a password. Uh, when, when, I was, when I was a kid, um, I, I had a little club of like neighborhood boys that, that they're all kind of in our neighborhood. And, uh, and we had a little club and uh, I don't remember what we called it, but we had a name for it. And we built a clubhouse in the basement uh, of our house. It was under the house. You had to pull a trap door in the laundry room and get under, and it was just dirt. I mean, there was nothing, it was unfinished, but we had set it up, set it up up down there. We had a firing range for our BB guns, and, and all, I almost caught our house on fire one time. That's a different story. But we, had a, we had a clubhouse, and we all had code names, because, you know, I'm like, you couldn't just call me Jason, because then everyone would know that it was me, so we all had code names for each other, and we had secret, like, handshakes, you know, and to get into the clubhouse, right, you had to know the secret knock, right? I can't teach it to you, because then you could come in, but you had a secret knock, and then whoever was inside would say, what's the password, right? And you had to have a password. And I'm just telling you, if you didn't have a password, I don't care if you were my mom, you were not coming in to the clubhouse, okay? That's how passwords work, right? And if we're not careful, we might begin to think that this is the case with Jesus, that we just, we just throw Jesus. Just, it's, a, it's a password. It's a, it's a magic you know, word. And, and for sure, there is power in this name. I mean, I mean, we just read this story. It healed a lame man, and, and it put fear in the hearts of the religious leaders. But, but I, just, I need you to know today that, that it's more than just a name. It's more. And I, I want to try to explain it to you. The, the person, here's what's happening in this story. The person named Jesus was being fully comprehended by Peter and John. So to, so to us, you know, we're reading it and there's a name in there, but to Peter and John, when they used the name Jesus, they knew Jesus. And so when they used that name, it, it triggered some things. It, it triggered like the truth that Jesus had taught them, right, all of their lives. So as they, they walked and they watched Jesus do ministry and they learned from him, like all of a sudden when they said Jesus, like there's these memories attached, there's these teachings attach it and then there's these experiences that all of a sudden come into their hearts and so I'll say it this way the powerful lives that Peter and John were living weren't because they knew the name Jesus but because they knew the person Jesus I mean see see if, if you agree with me uh, it's one thing to know 
someone's name and it's another to know them, right? It's a very different experience. And so Peter and John, they prayed for the lame man and they stood up to the religious leaders. And if you keep reading their lives, they lived extraordinary lives and it was all in the name of Jesus. But it's because they learned how to live from the person Jesus. I think you might agree with me that you can tell when someone knows some things about Jesus, some facts about Jesus, some stories about Jesus, but, but you can tell when someone knows Jesus. You can tell when, when their life has been transformed by, by relationship with the person of Jesus. In fact, I think there's probably a whole bunch of people here at Harvest that your testimony, I loved Richard's testimony, your testimony would, would be something like this. You should have known me before I knew Jesus. Would anyone agree with that? Anyone have that story? Like that, that's what you're saying. You're saying, I didn't just know the name of Jesus, but when I met him, when I entered a relationship with him, he changed my life. You should have known me before. And I think this is an important message for us because we're declaring this year that Jesus is over everything, and he is, he really is. But first, he's got to be over everything personal, everything in our own lives. And for that to happen, we, we've gotta know, we gotta know Jesus, not just about him, we gotta know Jesus. So that was kind of a long introduction, but you know this, this is, this is our custom, is I just wanna pause, I want us to pray. I'm gonna invite you to pray takes about 20 seconds, and, and here's the purpose of the prayer, is God's word is living and it's active, it's powerful. He has a word for every single person that's here today, whether it's your first time here today or your millionth time, that's not possible, but you get the idea, that today God has a word for you. So I wanna invite you to say a prayer that just says something like this, say, say God, I'm listening today, would you talk to me? How many of you will pray that prayer with me today? Let's pray, Jesus, I'm so thankful for your word, I'm so thankful for your presence. And so we just pause as we're getting ready to dig in. We believe you have a word for every single person here today. So we, we push out any distraction and we tune, our, we tune our hearts in and we listen. We're listening to you today. Will you talk to us today at a very personal level in Jesus' name? And everyone said, amen. amen. I'm going to move to a different book of the Bible. I was kind of using Acts to set it up, but Paul writes a letter to another uh, church in the city of Philippi, okay? I used to say Philippi. They taught us that we were wrong all our lives, and so Philippi, and uh, Lisa and I, we had a chance. Lisa told you about it. We actually had the chance to be in Philippi last week, and I'll, I'll just tell you one story, okay, because I don't want you to get bored, but I promise it sets it up perfectly. Acts chapter 16, you don't have to go there, but Paul, uh, is in Philippi, and he goes to a river. There's a river that runs right there through uh, where Philippi is, and there he meets a woman named Lydia. There was a, a group of women. They were down by the river, and Lydia's down there, and Lydia accepts Christ as her Savior, and just like Noah this morning, Lydia, yeah, she's like, we're, well, we're here at the river, Paul. Um, let's, let, let's, let's let me be baptized, right? And so she gets baptized right there in that river, and, and it was so exciting to visit this site. It was so so, so exciting, and it was exciting for two reasons. One is because it's amazing to be in the place where something happened. I mean, it just gives you a different experience. And so we, we, we pulled up on the tour bus and we got out and you could see the river in the distance and they built a church there. Um, and, and in the warmer time, we were there in the cold time, in the warmer times of the year, people will often come and get baptized there in the, in the pool where Lydia was baptized. So it was exciting to be there. But there was a second reason that it was exciting 
because I was at the front of the group by the tour guide, and as we walked up, there was a little bit of a drop down to the river, and the river was crystal clear. I mean, it was, it was so clear. And we walked up, and y'all, there were rainbow trout in the river where Lydia was baptized. And so I looked at the guide, and I said, there's rainbow trout in the river. And she goes, uh-huh. And I said, can I fish for them? And she goes, uh-huh. I don't think she really knew like that I was serious. And so the whole tour group went to the side and there's a little like little seating area and they sat down and a pastor got up and he delivered an eloquent message about Acts 16 and the baptism of Lydia and, and, and all the pastors got saved. And I got my fly rod out because I don't travel without a fly rod. And uh, here's a picture. And I, I set my fly rod up and I fished in the river where Lydia was baptized. And I'll just have you know, Lisa was not happy with me. Not at all. Not one bit. Not, not one bit. Oh, and out, out of that, out of that, a church began in Philippi. Okay, a church began. And you fast forward a little bit, and, and there's some trouble in the church in Philippi. We won't go through all of that. So Paul writes the letter called Philippians. He writes a letter back to the church. He's, he's gone now. He's planting another church, like Lisa talked about. And he writes a letter to Philippi, and he, he gives them some, I mean, there's a lot in Philippians, but he gives them a powerful truth that, that I want us to explore today that I think will help us with this idea of putting Jesus over everything in our lives. Philippians 2, verse 5, Paul gives us this. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, so real simple. Let the mind that, has been, that is in Christ now be in you. I'll just be the first to admit, I don't always have the mind of Christ. Anyone else Do you want to join me in that? Um, uh, yesterday, I was driving across Paseo. I did not have the mind of Christ, okay? It was someone else's fault, but no, it was mine. I own it, okay? There, there are times where I just, I know I don't have the mind of Christ. Paul says this. He says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. And this is a powerful teaching. Now, here's, here's why. Is that sometimes, uh, so you might not even know this, but uh, Harvest, we're what would be called a Pentecostal church, okay? It means we believe in the Holy Spirit, that he lives inside of us today, and that the gifts that come with the Holy Spirit were not just for the Bible, but they're for us here today. And I'll just tell you, I love that. Like, I grew up in that, and I believe it, and I love it. Here's what Pentecostals do sometimes, though, is that sometimes Pentecostals get all caught up in the feelings, right? The feelings, like, like the the big worship, and oh, it feels good, and we, we see a miracle, and oh, it feels, and we, we're all about the feels, the feels, the feels, and, and, and this is what I love about this in Philippians, is that, that feelings are really dangerous, because they, they just, they change, and they, they're, 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 they're fickle, right? Like in the same day, you can be angry and happy, you can be, you know, frustrated and excited, I mean, just like, I don't know about you, like all day, I mean, there's things that are happening, and you're riding the wave of your feelings. And I like this idea because I just think this is what, this is what makes your belief stick, 
is it can't just be a feeling. There's got to be something that happens in your mind that, that, that helps, that shapes, that changes. And Paul says, let this mind that was in Jesus be in you. And I think that's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, right? In other words, as Christ followers, we should think different. We should, we should process different, right? We, we should not respond in the same way as the rest of the world. And so maybe today, maybe you need to be transformed in your mind. And so I just want to share three powerful truths that I think helps us. They help us put Jesus over everything. And the first one is this. It says, it's not going to sound exciting, but it is. I'll get you there. Jesus is God, okay? That's the first truth. Yeah, it wasn't exciting, but I told you it wasn't. Um, Jesus is God. Now, um, there's a lot of confusion in the world today about who Jesus is. Um, some would say that, yes, he's a real person, but, but you know, I, I don't think he was God. And some would say, no, 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 Jesus is just, he's just a myth. And some would say, well, he was a good person. You know, some would say, well, I can agree that he's a prophet. I mean, there would be a lot of, of different ideas surrounding Jesus. And I think this is such an important question for us to settle today. Who is Jesus? And the first thing, my, like my starting point would be that Jesus is God, okay? Jesus is God. And, and Paul would agree with me, or maybe I'm agreeing with Paul because he wrote it first. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, again, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, okay? Being in the form of God. And you don't know how powerful of a statement that is uh, because there's, there's, Paul is packing a lot into this. When he says being in the form of God, he's, it's actually better than saying that he is, you know, that he's, that he's called God, right? Like they could, you could assign the name God to him, but it's more powerful to say that he's being, he's, he's being in the form of God. I'll, I'll try to help you to, to see it. So in Greek culture, when Paul is writing this, there were a lot of gods. I mean, a whole lot. It, it seems like in Greek culture, they had a God for everything. You've probably heard of some of them, like Zeus, the God God of the skies, and Poseidon, the God of the seas, and Athena, the goddess of wisdom and knowledge, or Apollo, the God of healing, or Ares, the God of war, or Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and on and on and on. There were so many gods. In fact, there were so many gods that Paul, in a, a sermon at a place called Mars Hill, he actually says this. This is in Acts 17. He says, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. In, in other words, Paul says, he says, you're covering your basis because you don't want to miss a God, so you made an altar to a God that you don't even know who that God is, right? To, to an unknown God. Because this was the culture. You just, you just had a God for everything. So in Paul's day, it wasn't a big deal to create a God or to name a God. But this is why Paul says about Jesus, he says, it's not just a name. He's being in the form of God. What, what he's trying to say is that, 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 that the essence, the, the very being of Jesus, the, the nature, who Jesus is, is that first and foremost, he is God. Like it's more 
than a name. Now, you and I have a being, okay? We have a being, and, and your being is, is the part of you that never changes. It's, it's unchangeable, right? And, and, and you're a baby, and then you're, you're, a, you're a toddler, and you're in elementary school, and you're a youth, you're a young adult, you're an old adult. All the way through that, the, the being part of you doesn't change. Like, you are a, in fact, we call each other, you're a human being, right? You're, you're, and it doesn't change. Now, um, we could use a different example. You could, you could look at birds. There's a lot of birds in the in the world. You know, there's dove and ducks and geese and flamingos and you know woodpeckers and blue jays and, and all of them, all of them, their being is always going to be that they are a bird. Like they're not gonna change into a human being. They are a bird being. That that's who like your being doesn't change. And so what Paul is is saying here, it seems really simple, but it's really, really deep. He says, Jesus being is in the form of God. And, and even that word form, like we have to think about that for a minute because it's a hard word. It's, it's not really what you and I would think of in the English language. Like, like you and I might think if you have a construction background of like the forms that you set up to build a, a house that, that holds the concrete in. Or, or maybe you would think of a form that you fill out at a doctor's office, right? That is not either one of those kinds of forms, right? It, it's actually the word morphe. Uh, which means form or, or shape or essence, or I like to think of it this way. It's the ingredients that go into the cake, right? It's the, it's the essence. I'll, I'll show it to you in a different place. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed, it's the same word, morphe, the Lord formed the man out of the dust of the ground, and then he breathed life into his nostrils, and the man became a living creature. And this is why when we die, we return to that same form, right? We began as dust, and you die, and you end up back as dust, right? Because your being never changes. So Paul, he's saying the form or the morphe or the essence of who Jesus is, is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. That took a long time to tell you that because you got to see all of the progression because they all go together. So the second thing, so Jesus is God, but the second thing is this, is, and this is really exciting, I think, is that Jesus is not just God, but number two, Jesus is man, okay? Jesus is man. This is exciting. Philippians 2, again, verse 6, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form, the morphe, again, of a bondservant, and, can, and coming in the likeness of man, the likeness. That, that word is, is another Greek word. It's schema, which, which is like schematic. So, so it's really cool. It's like he came with the blueprint, the schematic of you and I, of mankind. Jesus came and he had that. He came in the likeness. He, he had the blueprint and he came in that likeness. And then verse eight says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let me read it in one other translation, the New Living. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. I want you to think about this because we're going to talk about it. He didn't cling to his godness, right? Because remember, we started by talking about fully known and fully loved. And this, this is what helps us understand the mystery of how Jesus can do both. 
Because humans, we often have a hard time with knowing someone fully and loving them. I mean, if you have a handful of people in your lifetime that do that for you, you are blessed, right? Like you might have parents might do that for you. Your spouse might do that for you. You might have a best friend that does. But most people are going to struggle to know you and to love you. But this verse helps us with how does Jesus do this? And it, and it starts here. He didn't cling to his Godness. He, he wasn't like grap, grap, grasping and, 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 and desperately trying to hold on. He was God, but he took on the form of man. Verse 7 says, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. This to me, is one of the most mind-blowing things about Jesus. He voluntarily limited his deity, his godness, and he lived his life here on earth as a human because this is why you got to go all the way back to the first man, to Adam. And, and you, if you read that story, you know that there was a, a dominion, a destiny that was given to the first man, to Adam. But if you know the story, Adam messed it up, right? Adam messed it up, the first man. And so the only way to restore that dominion was there had to be another man that took that dominion and lived a perfect life. And that's exactly what Jesus did. But I want to go back to this idea that Jesus didn't grasp his godness because I, this, is so, this is so helpful. This is so important. So Jesus didn't grasp his godness. Here, here's one of the reasons. Because he already had it. <laughs> He didn't have to grasp because he already had it. He was secure coming to the, to the world in human form because he knew who his father was. He knew that he was God and he was man. And I just, I think we can learn something from this because there's, there's a lot of people who are grasping today for something that if they'd stop grasping and turn to Jesus, they already have it in Jesus, <laughs> There's just so, there's so much, there's so much confusion in the world today around things like identity and purpose and fulfillment. And so people are just, they're grasping, they're grasping, they're trying, they're, they're trying. And what we miss is that we have everything that we need in Jesus. We have it. Our, our youth do this, do this thing called fine arts, and in fact, they're prepping for it right now. And uh, in, in March, uh, uh, they'll, they'll go to a, a statewide competition, and then, and then a bunch of them will score high enough. They'll go to national competition. And so last year, we were there with our students, and our middle daughter, Ava, uh, she was doing a short sermon. So they have to do a sermon in five minutes. And so uh, I'm not a very good coach for that, but I try to help her. And she went to, she did good here. She went to nationals, and there was rounds because there were so many. There was like over 400 students from around the nation that came to preach a five-minute sermon. And Ava did, and they advanced her to the second round, and there were less than 100 that went to the second round, and so she was kind of nervous. And she comes to our hotel room that night, and she says, Dad, what's one thing I can do that'll really make a difference from round one to round two? And I thought about it for a minute, and this was what I told her. I said, Ava, if you would just believe that you are who God says you are, if you would just believe who mom and I have been telling you you are all of these years, if you would just believe Pastor Andrew and Pastor Madison and what they, be, what they see in you, if you would believe that and you would just step into that and you would be the Ava that God knows you to be, that'll change everything. And I didn't know if it would work, quite honestly, but it, it was my best advice. 
And that next morning, she stepped up for round two, and I saw, I saw something that I have never seen in Ava before. I saw it in her eyes. Something clicked. And all of a sudden, she stepped into a, 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 a purpose, a call. Like, it wasn't just a speech. It wasn't a five-minute speech. It was a good speech, but it wasn't just a speech. She stepped into who God had created her to be. And it was, I just was like, girl, you've always had it, but now you believe it. See, we're, we're grasping. We're gra- I'm just telling you, it will change everything when you don't grasp for something that you already have in Christ. Here's the other thing. Jesus didn't cling to his godness because his love drove him to share his godness with us. He shared it. I, I, I just ha- I have to tell you that, uh, that I actually learned this lesson from my wife, okay? It, it, here's the lesson, is that love shares, okay? Love shares. And I'll tell you how I learned it, okay? Because Lisa is a sharer, and, uh, and uh, I am not uh, naturally a sharer. And so when we first got married, uh, we would go out to eat, and, uh, and, and she would look at the menu. She's like, what are you thinking? And I would tell her what I was thinking. And I'd say, what are you thinking? And they'd say, I was just thinking I would just share with you. And early in our marriage, and we didn't have a lot of money, and, and I thought she was trying to be nice, like, like frugal. And so I'd say, babe, 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 we can afford two plates, two meals. Just get whatever you want. But really what I was saying was, I don't want to share with you. <laughs> I like my food. And, uh, and I made that mistake a few times, okay? And then I realized, I learned that love shares. And so I'm happy to report to you that I am a much better, not perfect, but better sharer now. So, uh, so two nights ago, we were at dinner and Lisa said, can I have a bite of your ravioli? And I slid my plate and she took a bite. I said, remember this on Sunday. Just remember this. <laughs> but can I tell you that um, my life is richer today because Lisa taught me that love shares. Because I could have clung to my ravioli, right? I could have, I could have clung. This is my food, right? I could have clung to it. But I'll just tell you that my life is so much richer for sharing my ravioli with my wife. My life is so much better. I, now I'll, I'll share with her a lot. I, don't, I still don't wanna share with you, but I will share with Lisa. <laughs> And if you think about this idea, I'm just so thankful that God loved us enough to share his son with us. He sent his son. This is a game changer. He sent his son as a man so that so he could empathize with us, so he could understand what you and I have been feeling this week or this month or this year or last year. All of a sudden, he can understand us. And, and that's really important as we explore this idea that Jesus is over everything. Because sometimes we think, Jesus doesn't understand how I feel. Guess what? He does. He, he does. That's why it's important for us to understand that Jesus is God, but also Jesus is man. And then this is the last one. I'm, I'm almost done. I promise you is that Jesus is over everything. <laughs> Jesus is God, Jesus is man, and Jesus is over everything. Paul would say it this way. He would say, Jesus is exalted. (laughs) I'll show you in Philippians 2 again, verse 9. Therefore, 
God also has highly exalted him. He's talking about Jesus. God has exalted and given him the name which is above every name. Now we're back to the name, but now you know it's not just a name. It's who he was. He gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess. That just means come into agreement with this idea that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me just tell you why this will help you. Because, remember where we started, have this mind, the mind of Christ in you. If we can have this mind, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is man, and that Jesus is over everything, that he is exalted over every name. There's not, there's not a name better. There's not a name higher. That's, that's why we sang earlier, he is worthy, right? We were declaring that Jesus is exalted. He's above every name. He's above everything. If we have that mind, then here, here's one of the big, we could talk about a lot. Here's the big one. You don't have to live a life of fear, If you have that mind, you don't have to live in fear. So you don't have to fear a doctor's diagnosis because you already know, okay, that's the diagnosis, but Jesus is over everything. He's God and he's man. So I don't have to be fearful. 2024, we might need to remind ourselves that we don't have to fear what will happen in the next election, right? Because Jesus is God and Jesus is man and Jesus is over everything. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid about how I'm gonna make it financially. I don't have to be, I don't have to be ruled by fear. If we can get this mind in us, it changes the way you live. And quite frankly, we need to change the way that we live. And I'll, I'll show you how. This is, this is where we're gonna end. I wanna go back to a verse that we, I just I flew by it earlier, but Romans chapter 12 Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to know that the world is constantly exerting pressure on you to conform your life into the form that the world wants you to be in. The world is constantly exerting pressure to try to conform you. Uh, I'll see if I can help you with this. Uh, how many of you, when you were kids, played with something called Play-Doh? Anyone? Play-Doh, Play-Doh, Play-Doh. Okay, truth now, how many of you ever ate Play-Doh? I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I was a Play-Doh eater, just so you know, okay? I was a Play-Doh eater. I, uh, I ordered some Play-Doh for, for this because uh, I thought it would help you to understand what Paul's teaching and what Romans chapter 12 is teaching. So. Um, Pastor Madison saw Play-Doh on my desk this week. She said, she said, hey, we have tons of Play-Doh back in the kids' area. You could have just asked me for Play-Doh. I said, no, 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 no. I need new Play-Doh. <laughs> Here's why. Here's why. This is the only time you will ever see Play-Doh look like this. After this, the, 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 the goal of Play-Doh is that I get to conform it into whatever shape I want. And I promise you, it'll never go back to this exact shape again after I exert the conforming power to put it into a new shape. Am I, am I right? And so what I did, because I wasn't sure if you would agree with me or understand it, is I also ordered some dinosaur um, molds, some dinosaur molds. And I picked this one. This is a T-Rex, okay? This is a T-Rex. Anyone like T-Rexes? And I didn't test this, and it's always scary, always so scary. But let me see if I can make a Play-Doh T-Rex as I exert 
some conforming power. Oh, y'all, this is so cool. This is so cool. It went so much better than I thought it would. It really did. It's not big, but you'll have to trust me. You can come up later and you can see. Oh my goodness, y'all. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look at my little T-Rex. Look at that. The conforming, the conforming power, it, 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 it reshapes, right? Morphs, right? Morphe, it, it puts it in a, in a different form. But would you stand with me? I, I, I literally have one last thing I want to tell you, and then we're going we're gonna to pray, and we're going to worship, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us, because, because here, here's, here's the deal. The world is constantly exerting conforming power to change you. And you just need to know that the only way to resist the conforming power is to be transformed. So, so not conformed, but transformed by God. But, but here's the deal. Here's why you don't have to be scared about being transformed. Because I, I've tried to make a case for you today that Jesus is the only one that can fully know you and fully love you. He's the only one. He's the only one. He can, he can know all the unlovely parts of you and he still chooses to love you. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that like, like mind-blowing? Like I'd use the little mind-blowing emoji right now. That's what's in my head. Like how, 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 how? I mean, Jesus, he knows. He knows every thought. He knows every word. He knows every, he knows every decision. He knows every, he knows everything that I've ever done. He knows, he knows everything I'll ever do. And yet he just, every day, every day, his mercies are new every day. He goes, Jason, I love you. Oh my goodness. If, if you only knew how much I loved you, you would live fearlessly. If you only knew how much I loved you, you would live differently. If you only knew how much I loved, and, and that's what I'm hoping as we're, we're just getting started in this idea of Jesus over everything. I, I want you to know today, that God fully knows you and he fully loves you both. He, loves, he does both. And so I'm going to have our worship team. This is how we do it. This is, this is kind of how we do it. I'm going to have our worship team lead us in one, in just one song, just one song. And you can worship, but really I'd kind of rather you pray and reflect and, and, and internalize. Like, like don't let the message just, oh, that was a good message. Pastor had Play-Doh. But like, like internalize it, internalize it. Let it, let it get inside of you. Like some of you right now, you're wrestling with, you're like, pastor, you don't know. You don't know what I've done. If you knew, I don't, I don't know if Jesus, I don't know if Jesus could love, could love me. I don't, I don't know. And I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, he's God. He's man. He gets you. He's over everything. He fully knows you and he fully loves you. Some of you are going to wrestle with that in these final few minutes. And I'm going to come up and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And People are going to surrender their hearts to Christ. And we're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to do the deep work that's needed. So worship team, come and lead us for a few moments. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.